All right, welcome everybody. I'm James Mays. Welcome to another episode of Raising Musicians podcast for parents who want their kids to rock. I just made that up. Kind of like it. Today we're going to talk about the frustrations of my, my kid will practice. Welcome to another episode of Raising Musicians, the podcast for parents that helps us understand how to empower our children to enjoy a lifetime love of music. Today, I wanted to talk about my kid won't practice because that's a thing that happens and it's frustrating for parents, you know, especially if you're paying for lessons and you're making an investment in time, maybe getting your student to the lessons, helping them practice, helping them be prepared. You've got other obligations. You've got work or other kids or other responsibilities. You don't want to be managing your kid. It's hard and it's frustrating for parents. But it really comes down to your expectations. I want to talk about how our peace of mind and our expectations are inversely proportional. So if my expectations are for my son, who's 15 now, to practice in a certain way, and he has a different way of practicing, I may not understand that completely. And that's gonna cause some feelings of pain inside of me, some frustration, maybe anger, maybe sadness. So all these things come up for us as parents, and I wanted to kind of you know, as an educator, one of the things that we do all the time that we're experts at is building progressions, right? So, so we think about where we want to go. What's the long game? What's the big victory? What's the big win that we're looking for with, you know, our child playing music, for example? And then what are the prog- pro- progressions? <laughs> what are the progressions that we can break down in order to build these small little blocks of knowledge where you can get a win and on top of that you can get another win and on top of that you can get another win and so on until you're eventually at the goal, the long goal. And, you know, if you've got expectations for your child to do X, Y, and Z, um, you want to, we want to break that down into progression so we can help them get there, right? Because it's, it's rarely the child that has the issue. It's the adult. Sorry to break it to you, parents. But we are the ones who need to change. As parents, we're the ones with most of the worldly information. And we're the ones who have to adjust and learn and create an experience where our children can thrive and we can still we can cooperatively get our needs met right so i wanted to break it down into the the first progression i think is really understanding how i learn and how my son learns how i view successes and how my son views successes what my goals are for him and what his goals are for him. 
And if we can get clarity on those things, then we're far closer to finding a cooperative solution around both of our expectations about what's required with practice or not required with practice. What does practice sound like? What is practice to him? What is practice to me? My long game is, is for my son to want to play music for the rest of his life. And I have heard so many stories of musicians who are like, oh yeah, you know, my teacher was really just rough and very demanding and this or that, or we just didn't really jive. And I, I quit playing music and I really wish I hadn't. I really wish I would have stuck with it. I've also heard the opposite story of, you know, I didn't really want to play piano. It was kind of my parents thing and they pushed it on me and made me go. And I'm really, really grateful that they did because now I play piano. And I'm not a pro. I don't want to be. I just love playing piano. And I can do that as an adult now. I can read music. And it wasn't always fun, but, but I love it now. So, you know, it's finding that balance, right? Finding a way that we can support our kids so that they're getting what they need out of music. And I, I think music, well, as a musician, of course, I think music is amazing. But to me, it's my deepest prayer, right? It's the, it's the fabric of our lives. We listen to music while we're in the car. We listen to music while we're working. We listen to music while we're having family outings. We listen to music all the time. It's part of our everyday life. And it's one of those art forms that uh, you don't have to stop, like watching a movie or looking at a work of art. You have to actually stop and go there and do that thing. Or pull it up on the TV, you have to stop your life and watch for a couple of hours or a 30 minute show or something like that. And music, you can do that. You can, I sit in front of my turntable, yeah, the old school turntable, and I play it and I sit and I listen. But a lot of times we're listening to music, we're interacting with music in ways where we're engaged in other activities and it's just a part of our life. And, and yet, when we hear that song, we can recall parts of our lives that in such a clear way that weren't there just a minute ago, just because of that song. So for me, music is so important. There's a great TED Talk video by Anita Collins that I really encourage everybody to go check out. And it's about music in the brain. It's a very short animated, it's like four and a half minutes. And it's animated and it's beautiful and explains how because of MRI and, and PAT scans, is that what it is now? PET scans and MRI, we can now look inside the human brain and we can understand what happens when we listen and play music. When we listen to music, the brain lights up. It's like a firework display, it, it describes it like that. The brain is really active in a lot of ways. But when we play music, almost the entire brain works out. They, de they describe it as a full body workout for the brain, playing music. And it engages every part of the brain, 
It allows us to strengthen the connection between the right and the left hemispheres. They're communicating a lot more, which that allows musicians to solve problems more effectively, whether it's socially or otherwise. Executive function is more enhanced in people who play music. It allows us to be more organized, categorize our thoughts, enhanced memory functions because of playing music. So all of these bennies in playing music, right? And so it's important for me as a parent to think about, okay, what are my expectations? Of course I want all those things for my son. I want him to be the most successful person he can be. And I want to provide every opportunity that I can for him. All the opportunities I didn't get, some of them that I did, you know, I just want to show up. And so of course I want all these amazing things for him and his mind. I have to check my attachment to that, right? Because ultimately it's about him enjoying the experience. So he can have his own musical experience for the rest of his life. You know, I, I think about those of us who play sports or do a, a other activities and that kind of thing. And it's like basketball, you know, people who love to play basketball, they're going to play basketball as they're older and maybe they'll do pickup games, maybe they'll play on the weekends, whatever. They enjoy it and they, they love it and they get a lot out of it. And then there's a certain point where physically they just maybe aren't able to do it anymore. But with music, that's not most people's experience. They are able to continue to play, to experience music their entire life. It's pretty beautiful. So I want that kind of experience for my son. So I have to, I have to check my expectations. And then I have to understand kind of the next, the next progression is how does he learn and how do I learn and how, I'm, why, how am I expecting him to learn like me? How am I expecting him to do it like I would do it or like someone else that I know would do it? And how am I sort of judging him really, and, which is not super healthy of me to do, uh, how am I judging him based on that criteria? Because that's the stuff that gets in the way of our relationship. It gets in the way of my ability to support him, to practice in the way that he needs to practice. The next progression is my own self-examination around, you know, am I trying to force him to do something in a way that doesn't work for him just because it works for me? Never, never a recipe for success, right? So that's kind of progression two is checking myself as a parent. And then... Then we get to the, okay, how, how do I, in a very loving way, create opportunities for him to practice? So, for example, we have some rules around our house that, you know, before noon on a weekend, there's no screens. Nobody gets on screens before noon on a weekend. Now he's, he's 15, he sleeps till noon now. But, you know, all, all those early years, he'd wake up, and there's no screens, so he would go find an instrument and play, or he'd go run outside and play, and he'd jump on it, the piano or play his drums or play a guitar. So we created these opportunities for creative time, and that just became the norm. And so that, without going, hey, go practice, we just created an opportunity to sit down at the, at it, with his instrument and have a little commune get to know it, learn it, feel it, love it, let it be an expression of whatever was going on with him 
at the time. And so that's become a normal part of his routine. And so it's pretty natural now for him to walk out of his socially distanced classroom, which is in his bedroom on his computer during COVID-19. And when he's taking a break, he's going to the piano to play because he likes it. Another key is finding the right people, right? You know, we're Band-Aid School of Music. We, we're music educators. So finding the right teacher is important, you know, making sure that the teacher and the student click, that the student's inspired in some way by the teacher, and that the music that's being presented is inspiring, right? That's crucial. If the music's boring, nobody wants to play it. If the music's fun, if it's exciting, there's a reason to learn the theory. There's a reason to learn the technique. There's a reason to struggle when it's difficult and push through because they're playing something that they love, they enjoy. So creating opportunities to enjoy music together that are not around the instrument are another important building block. That's another part of the progression. So listening to music together, listening to music and going, oh, you know, I think they'll like this, presenting music. When they're younger, most kids are just listening to the music their parents listen to anyway. So if there's songs that you both enjoy, there it is. Bring that to the lesson. Hey, why don't you try to play that? A good teacher will be able to break down a song, even if it's complicated or difficult, to be able to break it down in a more simplistic fashion so the student could play it at the level that they are playing right so a very beginner you can break down a song just just play the melody on guitar or piano something simple so that they can enjoy playing that song and then over time you can build on it and make it you know bring in the real chords for example or you know other elements of the song that make it more complicated you can play more advanced versions of those songs so music choice is very important there are plenty more tips I could, I could give you all, but I feel like that that's a good place to stop for now. I'd love to hear your comments on it. I'd love to hear some frustrating experiences that you're having. I'm going to go into, in future episodes, I'm looking forward to talking about a model of energy types that we use at Band-Aid School of Music. And so understanding what energy type you are as a parent and what energy type your child is will really help you to communicate, approach uh, everything, but also music in a way that works for both of you. Uh, We're also going to have some episodes on the five love languages, which we use at Band-Aid also to understand who we're teaching and what motivates them. Are they a gifts person? Are they a quality time, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation? So using those things, obviously physical touch in a musical school is basically high fives or pat on the back or something like that. But the others, there are ways to, uh, to reward people, to fill up people's love tank so that they're having a great experience with you. And then using that, those as tools to communicate and cooperate around practice, for example, or anything else. So I'm looking forward to some of those episodes as well. That's just a few of the things that I have in store for you in the podcast. So please give me your comments, questions, thoughts. This is for you, parents of musicians. You can uh, go to offer.bandaidschoolofmusic.com. 
Bandcamp.com if you'd like to get the 10 tips for raising musicians in a pandemic. 10 tips for raising musicians in a pandemic. That's totally free to you. Just go to offer.bandaidschoolofmusic.com. You can find out more about me, James Mays, at bandaidschoolofmusic.com. Or you can email us, info at bandaidschoolofmusic.com, with your questions and comments. Thanks for listening. I will see you next time.